and I'll tell it and think it and speak it and breathe it and reflect it from the mountains so all souls can see it. Then I'll stand in the ocean until I start sinking. But I'll know my song well before I start singing. Hard rains are gonna fall, written in the summer of 1962 by Bob Dylan, of course. Welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. You don't have to do things the way others do, or have been doing them for a period of time to be right. Sometimes someone has to bring creative thinking to a situation to allow others to progress. Change comes from challenging the status quo. And a recent conversation I had about how others perform certain tasks made me realise all the more that those who do challenge that status quo are often referred to as anarchists and fearless. We shouldn't be seen, I believe, as either of those things for suggesting that change can be good and that change can be creative and that change is what we need. If I go back 10 years or so ago now with the advent of moving image within the Canon 5D Mark II camera, I heard very similar kinds of conversations, particularly by photographers. Filmmakers embraced the idea of creating moving image and an access to a multitude of different lenses and opportunities to get shots, which ordinarily they couldn't get, strapping the cameras into boots of cars and then onto the wheels of cars or the sides of cars, primarily that idea of action and getting into small spaces. Photography and filmmaking are entrenched. They are part of one of the same thing. They're both visual storytelling. But are they still such odd bedfellows today? I was recently putting a list together of all of the lecturers that I'm, uh, I suppose, putting together into a team for the coming academic year for 2021-2022 of the course at Oxford Brooks that I lead. And it was interesting to me that when I was writing the descriptions of each of these uh, lecturers who were going to come in, none of them, I should say, are attached to academic institutions, but they all describe themselves as photographers and filmmakers. It seemed to me that they were perfectly comfortable, and I know that they are, in that idea of pressing that extra button on their camera that says you can now lose control of what you're creating, but I'm going to give you more control of what you're creating. But you're going to have to learn new skills. You're going to have to change. Over the last 10 years, many photographers, I think, have understood that making moving image isn't an unnecessary hassle or something that is there for others to do. They've recognised it as a very valuable income stream. And although I know many photographers at the moment are leaning and leading towards the photo book as the ultimate, I suppose, accolade and new way to move towards, 
the idea of creating the, the photo book, of learning skills around design and pagination and publication. I would recommend or I would suggest that those same photographers do not forget about the idea of moving image, the idea of collaboration, of audio, of storytelling. All those opportunities are there for you, not only creatively, but commercially. Over my photographic career, I've uh, entered very few uh, competitions. In fact, I think only three, of which I've been successful in two. The first one was back in 19, uh, I think it was 1999 or 2000, around that time anyway. And I entered what has now become the Taylor Wessing Award. I entered that competition with a photograph, a portrait of a Russian fashion designer that I'd been commissioned to take. I used a Hasselblad camera. I didn't really know how it worked. I was really nervous before I took the picture and I went and had a couple of glasses of wine. Never a good idea. So I was quite loose with my way of working in creating that portrait. The portrait itself was soft, it was filmic, and it certainly had a kind of film noir kind of quality to it, I suppose. The image was selected and it was displayed at the National Portrait Gallery and it appeared in the book of that year. Interestingly enough, in an article within Amateur Photographer magazine, my picture was pulled out as being disgraceful. How could an image that was out of focus be chosen and be put forward as successful? For me, it was a great success because it had given me an idea as to how my photography should look. I then went on a long journey through Italy on the back of a Vespa, well, on a Vespa, riding that Vespa from Bologna to Naples with my Hasselblad. Well, not a lot more technical skill as to how to use it, but I started to create images that I believed were really true to me and true to my visual kind of language that, I, that I'd enjoyed for so many years. As soon as I started to work professionally on commission after commission, which is what happened, that work seemed to get a little bit lost and it evolved into something different. With digital, it definitely changed. And interestingly enough, the project I'm working on at the moment on a digital medium format camera, I'm trying to get back to that original work, that sense of naivety, but also that sense of film noir. This week's contributor to What Does Photography Mean to Me encapsulates everything I wanted my photography to be and that never was. The work has a traditional classic quality to it, a sense of the third man perhaps or a film yet to be made. Who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about Jason Langer, an Arizona-born American photographer whose love of photography dates back to his childhood in Ashland, Oregon. Groomed on a Mamiya C330 twin-lens reflex, I'd say a camera I never got the hang of. Anyway, he developed his work in a makeshift darkroom-come-hall closet in his family home before moving on to more advanced technology at the University of Oregon, where he earned a degree in photography. 
Following graduation, he worked as an apprentice and printer for some of the San Francisco Bay Area's most renowned photographers, including Ruth Bernard, Arthur Tress and Michael Kenner, who became a lifelong mentor and friend. Langer descends from a tradition of photographers, George Krauss, Gibson, Roy de Carreva, Bill Brandt, Matt Mahurin. I love Matt Mahurin. Nobody ever talks about Matt Mahurin. If you don't know Matt Mahurin, go back to Rolling Stone magazine in the 1980s. Anyway, I digress. So Langer's uh, photographs are about physically what's happening in the world, but a world in which the unexpected appears for brief glimpses before returning to generally accepted social norms. His work has appeared in numerous publications, including American Photo, Life, The New Yorker, The New York Times, Time and Vanity Fair. In addition, his work is in the permanent and private collections of the Rutgers University. Uh, Elton John's got a few uh, prints, and so has Mick Jagger, um, as has the Yale University Art Gallery and the Zimmerly Art Museum. He's published three monographs, Secret City 2006, Possession 2013, and 20 Years in 2015. Jason is currently working on a fourth book titled Berlin and is also a sought-after photography mentor, having taught at the Academy of Art University for 12 years and at the Santa Fe workshops since 2014. For some reason, it is easier for me to answer the question, what does photography mean to me, by addressing instead the title of this podcast, A Photographic Life. For me, living a photographic life means that I continually return to my camera to explore the world around me and who I am as I go through life's different chapters. I started making and printing photographs when I was 12 years old. It was, and remains, my most consistent tool for self-discovery, recognition of my closest friends and family, and recorder of my most meaningful life experiences. I photograph both what and whom I know intimately, Photography is also the way I express my curiosity about how others live. My camera is the first thing I think of to take along with me when meeting new people, going to new places, or having new experiences. Looking at old home movies of me when I was under 10, it seems I have always been most comfortable as an observer of life, slightly outside the main group activity, and that remains so today. Living a photographic life means that I consider myself a kind of private investigator and collector of evidence of meaningful moments. I try to be aware of and capture fleeting instances in my life that seem extraordinarily poetic, or when I notice normally incongruent elements coming together to ask larger questions. Time itself seems to stop from the moment I close the darkroom door until I open it again. As a committed Buddhist of nearly 30 years, I find... Both Buddhism and photography are my go-to tools for making sense of the world. Over the years, it seems I have explored many of the key concepts in Buddhism through my photographs. Impermanence, possession of a human body, gender, attachment, the illusory, nature of ego, acceptance of change, and now desire. When I'm photographing a lone man walking down the streets of a large city, I am photographing an expression of myself exploring a manifestation of my mind. When I am photographing a female form, 
I am photographing my feminine self and trying to understand what it might mean to inhabit a female body. When I am photographing a couple in the act of lovemaking, I am witnessing space and bliss's inseparability, and I try to integrate that understanding. A photographic life means valuing my personal experience in history. I am Jewish and spent part of my childhood in Israel. When I was 13, I had a dream that I was put into a death camp crematorium oven alive. This led me to investigate and photograph my Jewish and German roots by photographing Berlin over a period of five years, exploring the city's history, Jewish temples, secret places where some Jewish people hid during the war, and the juxtaposition of contemporary architecture with that which looks like it had just survived the war. I made casual street portraits of anyone who would let me make a photograph of them. I use photography to find out more about people whose lives are very different than mine. From 2015 to 2017, I made portraits of night performers in my hometown of Portland, Oregon. I became connected with a colorful latticework of circus performers, exotic dancers, clowns, vaudevillians, drag queens, and neo-burlesquers. These people all play with nighttime alternate personas use stage names, wear feathery costumes and face paint. Ego and personality appear effortlessly malleable to them. My curiosity led me to find out who these people are and try to capture images of their personas just as they let their guards down. In 2013, I was invited to photograph the collection at the Mütter Museum of Dysmorphology in Philadelphia, where I was happy to let the medical samples and wax teaching models tell their own stories of carnal impermanence, which we all share, and individual evidence of what was sometimes a short and painful life. Currently, I am making photographs illustrating the nature of desire. In Buddhism, the human realm is the realm of desire. Every day we are engaged in trying to hold on to what we want and love and push away what is fearful or painful. What we desire says a lot about our status in life. Whether we are in need of the basic necessities of life, air, water, food, clothing, and shelter, or whether we are in a position to desire more luxurious things, relationships, and experiences. Making pictures illustrating these ideas using photography is the most exciting and rewarding endeavor there is for me. Photography has allowed me to investigate and collect images from all of these ideas and interests over the years and has given me a broader and deeper understanding of who I am and hopefully who everyone is. Thank you, Jason, for your contribution this week. Thank you also for taking a slightly tangential um, approach to responding to the question by responding to the title of the podcast. I always enjoy it, as I was saying at the beginning there, when people play with the rules. I think I now understand why I enjoy Jason's work so much. As I always say, and as regular listeners will know, I do not listen to these podcast contributions until you do. That was the first time that I've listened to Jason's uh, response to the question, and so I'm going to respond to it in real time, just perhaps as you do when you listen to the podcast. I also always go back and then kind of re-listen to it and rethink about it and reconsider it. 
What I think I've recognised now is that the impetus and the inspirations to Jason's work are so similar to my own. I started off this week talking about Bob Dylan and giving a quote from his Hard Rain, a Jewish performer, of course, who's often played with different ideas of religion and different responses to religion. Interesting to hear Jason's um, relationship, I suppose, with Buddhism there, but also starting out as as a Jewish person and within that religion, and his kind of quest to deal with that and explore that. I too went to a Catholic Jesuit college, but I'm also a Jewish. So there you go. We're all in this same boat, aren't we, trying to find things out and using photography as a tool with which we can explore these questions that we have, not only about ourselves, but also about others. Wonderful to hear about his work in Portland, Oregon as well that he's working on. Really does sound like the characters of a Bob Dylan song or film. If you've seen Masked and Anonymous, if you've made it through that film, I enjoy it, you may not. You'll instantly recognise what I'm talking about there. So really great stuff. If you're not aware of Jason's work, do check it out. I think it's timeless. I think it's important within the realms of what photography is, what photography has been, and also what photography will continue to be. I'm a great believer in change and evolution and development, but at the same time, I also have a very fond uh, I suppose you would say um, belief in the importance of the past. Okay, so that's the end of this week's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. We've covered some ground this week, haven't we? Uh, My voice, I've noticed, (laughs) is starting off very deep in these podcasts and a little gravelly, and it gets better as it's going through. It's another early morning podcast. podcast recording session. As I've said last week, it gets so hot in the shed, I have to do these at very, very uh, early hours of the morning. And it obviously takes me the podcast to wake up and my voice to uh, get to some kind of uh, normalcy. And talking of normalcy, uh, I hope that your life is returning to normal. Once again, I'm having lots of good conversations with photographers who are getting commissioned, exhibitions are happening, books are happening. There's just a general feeling, I hope, of coming out of COVID, um, that COVID blues, that kind of, uh, somebody described it, I saw the other day, as a a grey dust that hangs upon us. Well, I hope that grey dust is getting shaken off and you're starting to feel positive and moving forward in whatever you want to do and whatever you're working in and on. Uh, Certainly the case for me. Uh, The warm days are preventing work in the shed, but uh, that isn't preventing me from getting on with a whole load of different projects, many of which I'll put into the weekly newsletter and many of which I'll tell you about on the podcast. So just leaves me to say, take care. (music) 